Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you have an idea? Like, I have an idea for what the show could be about today. Oh, but no, do but you I, have an I idea? do too. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. I was looking at the list. I have an idea too. Okay. Um, then why don't we, on the count of three, we'll say the topic that um, that we that we both picked. Okay. 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 One, two, three. Playtesting. Play oh. <laughs> awesome. Nice. Cue music. Welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And before we actually get into the show itself, this is just a heads up that there will be no show next week, which is June 7th. We will be on vacation. So we will be back. We will see you on June 14th will be our next episode. Yes. Cool. <laughs> Look, we remembered to tell you this time. Um, there we go. Awesome. Uh, so from there, I don't think there's any other points of business, right? That was the only one? No, no, yeah, that was good. literally just the thing we okay. had to make sure we told everybody. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So this week's topic came to us actually from two different people uh, Hence requested. Hence the opening, right? Hence the, the opening. And, uh, and, and so we were like, gosh, lots of people are asking us this question. Um, so maybe it's time for us to talk about it again. So this week's topic comes from two different people, Jeremy and JT, who asked if we could talk about playtesting. Yeah, which we can. Absolutely. Uh, so what is playtesting, right? Our definition for playtesting is the act of testing new and modified rules through simulated play or actual play. Yes, it's a good definition. And we've done a bunch of it just to put our cred on the table a little bit here. Yep. We've done a bunch of it because we um, have both designed games, both separately and together. Um, lots of together. So we've done sure. a lot of a lot of playtesting together. Um, so we have a pretty similar theories on how to approach it, I think. Yeah, at I this mean, point. we're design partners. We tend to design and playtest together. So together. we kind of have the same yep. philosophy on playtesting. <laughs> yes. So true cool. facts. So uh, quick question for you. Um, before a whole bunch of people, you know, hit, you know, Mark has already listened. Um, what if you're not a game designer? Like, does any of this matter? Yeah, it totally matters. I think the thing that we would say is that GMs are also part designers. Yeah, right? absolutely. Because whenever you make an adventure that you might be running for um, people, you may need to be playtesting it. And every time you do a house rule, you're really doing a little bit of game design there, right? Yeah, absolutely. If, you, if you're modifying a class or you're just added a rule to your combat system, whatever, you're designing. Whether yeah. you recognize it or not, you're designing. You're just not designing a full game, but you're designing. Yes. Um, and you can play test that stuff. You can play test house rules. Really, I think really should you probably try should. to play test out. Yeah. It, it's hard to play test adventures, right? Adventures tend to get play tested by running them. Um, unless you are 
doing it for something like, oh, I'm running an adventure for a special event. You might go play test it with some friends for the special event or. That's um, what I usually hear about. I don't do yeah. it. I don't, I don't pre-run adventures. I just jump in and pray. But there's, I definitely know people for one shots they're going to take to conventions and stuff like that, that they will actually run it before they oh, take it to the convention. 100%. Right? I have, I think I have for every adventure I've ever run. <laughs> At a convention, yep. I have played play it tested. First. I have play tested it with my home group yes. to make sure that it made sense. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, of course, if you are a game designer, right? Um, if you are designing anything, whether you're putting it up on itch or selling it to drive through or trying to, you know, sell it to a, a bigger company, like play testing is a crucial part of game design as well. Yeah. Um. Although, interestingly, I have a game up on itch right now that I haven't play tested at all. Oh, I have a game up on drive-thru <laughs> I haven't play tested. Although it says right on it, it's not been play tested. This and play partially tested. because that one was um, Mark's half-eaten hamburger LARP yeah. was a silly thing I designed after a uh, evening at Metatopia when a number of us were just kind of being... Um, ridiculous and i was like no i'll make it i'll make it into uh, yeah. a larp that was that was a threat that you carried through on that's what that was <laughs> yeah mine is um i've been having some trouble getting anybody to commit to playing a an epistolatory game with me because of the the uh, writing commitment and the commitment to response. So the reason I haven't played mine, I haven't play tested mine, is because I haven't gotten anybody to play test it with me. I'm like, well, will now, you listeners. will you play a writing game? <laughs> so if somebody wants to play uh, a writing game with me about being an immortal and finding a love letter that someone wrote you, another immortal wrote you, like hundreds of years ago in a museum, reading it in a museum and realizing it's to you and then taking that and reconnecting with that person in whatever way you kind of decide to do it. Like, uh, let me know. <laughs> so the game's kind of specific. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, <laughs> that's the game, the game. That's a lot of, that's a lot of setup there. Just the I'm game is you. called, you never told me. And it's based on a tweet. <laughs> I know I sent you that tweet. Yes. I anyway. sent it right to you because I was like, oh, this is 100% your bullshit. It is absolutely my bullshit. And then I yeah. wrote a game. Yeah. All right. So cool. Point is, whether you are um, a professional game designer, an amateur game designer, or a GM, you are doing some level of design, which means that some understanding of playtesting will benefit you at some level. Yes. So we did what we normally do, which is we break things down to uh, understand them better. And so we have a couple of like questions and then our answers are kind of like the extremes. So what I want you to think of as we answer these is that every one of these is on a continuum. They're not binaries. It's not this or that. It is this end, this end. And a blend of stuff in between, right? From a balance between the two to favoring one or the other or all the way to one side or the other, okay? So just keep that in mind. Um, we are not Sith. We don't deal in absolutes, right? So all of these things can be mm, a lot like one of these choices or less like one of these choices or whatever. All right, so we cool? Yes. All yeah, right. Yeah, that sounds great. Cool. What's our what's the first question that we uh, that we can that we can ask about playtesting? 
Yeah, I think the first question is really what can we test, yeah. right? And and this isn't what can we test like, um, you know, drilling down to your very specific game. We can't answer the question for you, which of these mechanics do I need to test or something, right? But like very generally, what are are the things that we can test in a game? Yeah. So the first end of the spectrum, right, is focused, right? We can just test a specific rule or a specific subsystem, right? We can say like, hey, um, all we're doing for this play test is making characters. We're not yeah. going to play characters. We're not going to advance characters. We're not trying combat. We're not doing any. All we're going to do is sit down and we're going to make characters or could be even more specific. We're just going to, we're going to just try this one part of character creation to see if it works. Yeah. Okay. Yep. What's the other end of that spectrum? The other end of that spectrum is a full test, which is let's just play through everything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Everything, everything. Do all the bits work together? Yep. Is the question. On that so one, yeah. when we talk about a continuum, right? You could be super focused or in the middle of this continuum, you could be like, okay, uh, I really want to test combat today. So here's some NPCs or here's some PCs like pre-gens. Go ahead and just pick one. We're going to play through a uh, couple scenes that include a combat, yeah. right? It will likely test more than just combat because it's going to pull some other stuff about characters and likely skill checks and things like that uh, together. Yeah, but okay. we're going to make sure that we, you know, hit this thing that I really want to make sure I see, combat. I exactly. want to see that. So we're going to make sure we hit that and anything else that we happen to get is a byproduct, but also it, useful. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. The next question is how can we test? And what's the first point on our continuum? Yeah. The first point is artificially in which we create situations to force the play to engage this, the rules that we want to test, whether those are specific or broad. So in Phil's example, making sure that combat happens no matter what, yeah. or more specifically, making sure that the combat that occurs includes a monster that uses specifically, you know, this feat. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, like very, like there are different ways to say tackle a scenario, but if we're, if we're artificially creating it to test combat, like then you're not negotiating. Right. With these creatures, right. We are, we are going to melee. Yeah. We are going to have a fight because yeah. that's, those are the rules I want to see as mm -hmm. a play test. Yeah, yeah. What's the other end of that spectrum? Right. So all the way on the other end, we have naturally, which is we can just play the game and we can wait for certain situations to occur in the rules to engage the rules that we're testing. Um, obviously, right. When we talk about, um, when we talk about this, right. Artificially means that we're definitely going to see those rules in play. Yes. Naturally means we're going to see them if everything occurs, right? Yeah. Like if maybe someone the players, engages them, right. Maybe the players negotiate their way past the encounter. Yeah. Which is fine because maybe they're using some other part of the rules, but um, we have to wait for them to get into a fight in order to see if we're going to get like what combat looks like. Yeah, which so I guess I would say naturally um, is not the method 
I wouldn't lean towards the natural method if you are trying to test something specific. Correct. Right? To go back to our previous set. If there's something really specific you want to look at, you probably want to artificially make sure that the situation that you're creating or even just saying to your players, you know, we're testing character creation and that's it, right? You're artificially creating the scenario where you must engage the rules you want to see. Yeah. Now, the midpoint of this, right, between artificial and natural is you can say something like, hey, we're going to play a five-room dungeon. I need at least one of these encounters to be, to a, be a combat. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, you yes. don't have to say, like, which one, but you can be like, hey, I do want to make sure that before we're done tonight that a combat comes up. So, like, we're going to have, like, five encounters in this scenario and... um you know, if you can just make sure that at least one of them is a combat, if all of them are combats, great. If, you know, if only one of them is combat, that's great, but at least one of them, right? Yeah. That's, that's a balance between artificial and natural in your playtesting um, goals. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. So the next question is, where can we play test? And by that, we don't mean like, ooh, at your local library or the cafe or your, you know, kitchen table. What we mean is what kind of session can yeah. you play test in? So on the one end, we have a dedicated play test session. That is, you have brought a group of people together with the expressed intent that we are just play testing this uh, material, there is no continuity, there is no campaign, there may not even be a coherent session. It could just be, I'm going to bring up a set of scenarios, we're going to play through them, I'm going to record some notes about what happens, that kind of thing, right? That's very um, dedicated, right? Yeah. Like everything we do here is garbage when we're done, right? It's just yeah, none of it matters. Yeah. What's the other side? Well, I feel like we should mention that's like testing in dev, right? Yes. If, if you are <laughs> familiar with software development, right? A dedicated playtest session is testing in dev. Yeah. Where you should do your testing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As a product manager, I'm like, yes, please. And also like thinking of all the times that I haven't been able to. As and it gives me that horrible sinking feeling in my stomach. As a project <laughs> manager, I will echo the same sentiment, right? Test in dev. Test in dev whenever you can. Correct. What's also, the other end? <laughs> the other end of the spectrum is that you can test in the game or campaign that you are playing or running. And this is like testing in production, right? Yes. So this is when you implement a house rule into a game that you are six months in on midway through whatever it is, right? And you introduce a house rule that you haven't tried anywhere else. You are now testing in production. Correct. And you need to have a rollback plan yes, just to be thank clear. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> because you're testing in production. So if it doesn't work... What are um, you going what, to do? What is your solution, right? Yeah. Know that going in before you test in prod, know what know what you're going to do if yeah. it doesn't now, work. All joking aside, when we say like know what you're going to do, here's what I mean. If you put in the play test rule, you could, these are your options, right? If, if, if the rule goes bad, you could yank it out immediately, right? In the yeah. middle of combat, are you going to play the rest of the game with the rule in it? 
even though it's not doing what it's supposed to, because you inserted it and you're just going to let it run through the session and then we'll pull it out the next session and go. Or if it fails, are you going to be like, nope, we're pulling it out right now. Go back to the way it was. We'll finish the combat as is. This can create some like continuity problems. Like what if the rule screwed up and now this player lost a bunch of hit points or whatever, like you may have to fix these things. So I know it's laughable when we talk about like testing in prod, but yes, no kidding. But it is also a thing. Correct. All kidding aside, have a rollback plan. I'm not, we're not going to tell you not to test in prod. I certainly have done it many times, but know when you sit down to the table, what your plan's going to be. If the rule doesn't work the way you like it, are you killing it immediately? Or are you going to let it ride out for the session? Are you going to let it ride for a couple sessions? Make that like, make that decision, communicate it up front and then yep. carry and then, and then go forward with it. So, yeah. And it may also look like, you know, Hey, we are QAing this house rule tonight. We're going to try it. If it doesn't work, here is my plan. And that plan might be we just immediately rip it out or any of the things that Phil mentioned. But that plan might also be we stop and have a conversation about it, tweak it, and then like go back far enough in, you know, rewind far enough in the thing that just happened to play it again with the tweaks that you just made and see what happens, right? You are now describing the middle point. I was yes. trying, I was trying oh, to sorry. think of, no, no, no. You were trying good. to go to the extremes. <laughs> no, no. I was trying to think of what is the middle point look like between these two uh, things. I, I was afraid oh, this right. was the binary one, but yeah. you have just actually described the middle point, which is, Hey, we're going to play this. We're going to play our regular game. If this rule doesn't work the way we like it, we're going to actually flip into play test mode. We're going to make yep. some tweaks. We're going to rewind the game, re- like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. That's actually the middle between dev and prod. Yeah. 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 Which is not a bad place to be, but it is maybe a good expectation to set with the people who are actually sitting at your table before you get there. It's actually a perfect place to be (laughs) if you have set all those expectations. So set all those expectations. So set those expectations before you do it. Correct. Um, Otherwise, sometimes weird things happen. And... It's also really good to be clear when you as a GM are implementing a rule that you may or may not have tested, even if you're not going to do any of the things we just described, just because as players, um, you know, sometimes you can get into a situation where a rule is given to you that you're like, oh, this seems cool and exciting, or it's a, it does a thing, right, in the game that the game didn't used to do. It's a specific rule for like a special tool or weapon or whatever. Um but it can be frustrating then if you if you encounter issues with that specific rule, even though they have nothing to do with the actual game rules. And it's good to know that you can have like a conversation like, hey, this isn't actually working for me or like any of those kinds of yeah. things, right? Absolutely. So cool. All right. So based on those parameters. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about some of the ways that we have tested uh, games that we have de- we have developed. I want to, I think before we jump into it, I want to um, pause and make mention of Metatopia. Sure. So if you, uh, Metatopia is not currently running right now. Um, it, it has a pause during COVID and the, um, the owners of Metatopia are trying to find a way to make a safe version of Metatopia, which is why it hasn't um, relaunched yet. It might relaunch this year. I don't know. Yeah, I don't um, know. It's generally in November. It's generally in November. Um, but we, uh, if you're curious about it, we have been to Metatopia before. It is a 
Game Designers Game Development Con, which is primarily full of playtesting. In fact, there are no tracks like where you go and just play games recreationally. You go to um, help playtest other people's games and have people playtest your games. If you want to hear about that in detail, go check out our back catalog. We have gone multiple times. If you search for the word Metatopia or if you're a Patreon and can go into the deep archives, you can look for our episodes that have to do with Metatopia and hear the specifics of that. I bring that up because for the two games that we are definitely going to talk about, Turning Point and Hydra Hackers, both of those games have been to Metatopia multiple Multiple times. times. Yeah. 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 They went through that ringer multiple times. Yeah. And just, I'll just say one more thing about Metatopia because I think it makes it really clear what the purpose is. Metatopia is the convention where you pay more as a game designer to sign up because you are receiving the benefit of playtesting. And they actually charge less for people to come play the games because of all of the things we just mentioned about playtesting. They may not be playing a full game session. They might not be doing whatever, right? We just need butts in seats to potentially try a really focused playtest of some specific thing or potentially try the whole game as a whole. Like they don't know until they sit down. And so um, you basically get people to come play test your game and it's really great. And you are guaranteed, you know, some good feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's fantastic, right? It's, it's a great, um, it can be stressful. Uh, yeah, it, it can be stressful, but it is a really good time. The feedback is really quality. Uh, there's a very high chance that you will have multiple game designers at your table playtesting your game, yes. giving you feedback, um, giving you constructive criticism if you want it. Yeah, um, we should as a qu- quick sidebar at the end. Let's try to remember to talk about being a good playtester. Yeah. There are some things uh, that you can do to be a good playtester that we should talk about before we uh, punch out of this uh, this recording. All right. I'm writing a note. Carry on. There we go. So okay. let's talk about Turning Point and Hydro Hackers. And I'm going to describe kind of the high level way that we tested those games. Sure. Um, I specifically going to talk about Hydro Hackers because Turning Point was a little, was, was, Talk about Hydro Hackers and then and then we can kind of swing back Compare around. Compare and contrast turning to turn yes. point. Sure. Because yeah. Hydro Hackers certainly has more subsystems. Exactly. Okay. So Hydro Hackers started with uh, focused artificial testing in a dedicated playtest environment. So I only tested certain things because I wanted to see certain subsystems if they were working. So there were tests for some of the early versions of the water hacking mechanic. Yep. Most of that got eliminated yes. from the game. It, it it's, actually, a, it's, a, it's a really fun board game. It's a really fun board game. It's really I, good. I, I had but, high intentions of what I wanted to do with it. Um, but through later playtesting, it didn't really hold up very well. Uh, the neighborhood system was run in a very focused uh, playtest where uh, I did it at Metatopia where I had a group of people come, each person made a neighborhood, and then each person did the uh, kind of end of session advancements for their neighborhood yeah. multiple times in a row yep. so we could just see what it looked like. Yeah. Yeah. So that was actually really good. Now, the reason why 
I'm a fan of this focused artificial dedicated playtest is because it lets you look at very specific things in a timely manner, right? In a couple hours of playtesting, I can get a deep look at a small portion of the game and just see what is or isn't working. And if something is or isn't working or doesn't feel right, um, it's easy to figure out what the problem is because we're only using so many rules, right? Like where they can own the problem can only be in this, you know, small block of text. Yep. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And Hydra Hackers does have a lot of specific sort of subsystems and especially in its earlier versions, it had a lot of subsystems. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Which playtesting then bore out and we like started stripping them out. In fact, after some playtesting even changed the entire, um, the system engine of the game. The system. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So after that, then, uh, then we started doing full, natural testing in playtest sessions. And what that means is we just started running scenarios, canned scenarios in a playtest to just let players try the game out. Now, we kept using the same scenario. Yes. Because that was the thing we could hold. That was the control. Yeah, that was like, that was the constant, right? Like we know all, you know, like you can, you're going to be presented with the same problem, the same opposition, that kind of thing. And we'll see how people play through it. And then that'll test some of the same parts of the system, but occasionally we'll test other parts of the system. Right. And those, um, those scenarios were specifically written to like steal water. Yes. But they were open enough to not just be like, hey, we're going to you know, like just play the subsystem. They were like, hey, there's water over here. You have you to find to out how to it. steal it. Yes. yes. Yep. So it opened it up and it allowed for things like when roles went bad for things to escalate and how are those going to be dealt with, et cetera. And that sort of open natural testing is how we figured out um, some more generalized stuff like that there was a playbook that didn't actually have good success at yep. the things it was supposed to be good at yep. because of the way that the stats were. Exactly. Right? We actually changed the stats for a couple moves yeah. so that it made more sense for that, for that playbook. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah in fact, the, yeah, I can remember that. I remember that play test actually very well. Yeah. So, and those, I'll, I'll be honest, those are kind of fun because I was like just running a game, but yeah. at the same time. And taking notes. <laughs> right. But at the same time, right, we were like taking notes and figuring out like, okay, is this good? Um, Yeah, we were like, you were running the game. I was playing in a lot of those games, so many of those games. And the interesting thing about playing it over and over again from that perspective is you're taking notes, I'm taking notes. And from a player perspective, being able to jot down things like, it is frustrating that I'm not good at this thing that I think I should be good at. Everybody else has a thing that they're good at. And I don't. And and just from both the player side and the GM side, like, did everybody look like they were like having a good time? Did the game yeah. look entertaining? Did it yeah. did it do what it said it was supposed to do? Which is yeah. a huge one for did it me. Do right? The, did it do what it said on the label? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then finally, the last rounds of playtesting for Hydra Hackers was a full natural game where I actually got an online group together. Of course, no surprise, Sunday was also part of that group. (laughs) Um, So we're a number of other um, good friends of mine, but we got a group together and just played a mini campaign 
of, of just Hydra hackers, no real play testing, like no, like, Oh, I'm looking for this or that. Just, we're just going to play like five or six sessions in a row. Yep. To- An actual campaign session over session, multi-session, exactly. not just a convention game. Yeah. And that was late in development. That was, yeah. that was after having done the full natural play tests that it was like, I think this game is ready to be tried, you know, as a, as a campaign. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Let me just jump back. The thing I like about those full natural play tests is um, they're more natural. So you're going to find the edge events, right? As yeah. people kind of think of weird things or interesting ways to solve yes. problems. Yes. But it's still a play test. So if anything goes wrong, you can just like stop the game or back up and fix it like things things that we've been talking about before you could just be like oh uh cool i like i don't even have a rule for that give me five minutes okay let's Let's just try try this this. rule yeah yeah when i got to the full natural game i set up the expectations that if something did go wrong we would figure out a way to fix it but it actually like that game actually played fine yeah i was like i don't remember anything actually going wrong with the rules um andy has not let me forget that i got her shot uh, totally a did. Lot. Those are some bad. Those are so <laughs> six some minuses. Bad rolls. <laughs> yeah. Now for Turning Point, Turning Point's a simpler game in terms yeah. of components. We actually started in the middle. Yeah, we did because it would it would have been very difficult with that game to try to tease out individual yeah. subsets subsystems to actually play test or yeah. it would have been like, Hey, everybody holds some hearts in your hand. Now vote blindly. You don't know Correct. what you're voting for. Just do it. Yeah. Right. That, like, <laughs> yeah. What, what actually happened was we worked on, we worked on the turning point rules and we wrote the first three dilemmas. Yeah. Which was, um, uh, let me think. Oh no, which ones were they? Uh, the um, kink, the kink one. Yep, the kink one for sure. And then the dream job. Yep. And the and the is it the medicine baby one. or oh, the okay. baby? The baby? <laughs> or the baby it was one of those. Okay, anyway. Uh, anyway, anyway, there's we, only like four right now. Right, so. we, had, we had written three of them right away. Um, we'd written three of them right away because we kind of knew that high that turning point was thin enough in rules, like it didn't have a lot of subsystems and doesn't have a lot of rules, that the only way to really play test it was to actually go play it. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. To at least start a session and play into it, whether we actually finished it or not, Um, because playing through at least the creation of the character and then the sort of going into some scenes and how you do the decision-based group voting stuff. Like even if you didn't get to the end of the game to do the final resolution mechanic, um, those two like testing through that stuff was really helpful. But it's also, it would have been hard to do anything like test the creation. So just as a reminder for anybody who doesn't remember or hasn't heard us previously talk about Turning Point, Turning Point is a dramatic, oh boy, do I remember the elevator pitch? Decision-making. It's a something dramatic decision-making machine. Um, And and what you do is you sit down as a table, you create an individual together. Everybody makes the same person. Um, And you all kind of contribute to that process of creating that person and invest in them. Um, And then you play through a difficult decision that they are making to find out what choice 
they make yeah. um, at the end of the game. Um, and so the it would be difficult to disconnect that character creation from the process of playing a scene or anything like that because part of what we needed to play test for was when you've finished creating this character, are you invested enough to care about the decision that they're going to make and what decision they're going to make? And that was a place we had to actually tweak a bunch. I mean, that was a, that actually happened after a bunch exactly. of other, that was actually an edge case. The It, wasn't, um, it was an edge case that we discovered. Yeah. By playing We, we discovered it. it late in play testing. We were doing a bunch of play yeah. tests when we finally unearthed that moment. For, yeah. um, for a bit of trivia. That was just my example. Yeah. For a bit of trivia, the first, um, oh, I want to get this right. So let me, um, let me just do a quick search for something. Okay. I'll just keep talking while you're looking then. Um, I got it. But yeah. So yes. I'm quick. As a quick piece of trivia, the first play test of Hydro Hackers occurred at Metatopia and two of the players because I said, when you play at Metatopia, you play with other game designers. Um, yes. Of the first game that we ever played, of Turning Point ever, uh, Jason Cordova yep. from Gauntlet amazing. Publishing, right? Yep. Um, publisher of a number of amazing games, was Including at that Brindle table. Wood yes. Brindlewood Bay, um, Public Access, The Between. Mm-hmm. The other, one of the other people, now there were like one or two other people and I, I apologize because I don't remember them, but one of the other people that was at that table was game designer Rich Ruane, who mm-hmm. uh, wrote Moonlight on Roosevelt Beach, a queer game yes. of disco and cosmic horror. Uh, they were both part of that initial playtest session. Uh, I will never forget it because Jason, in true Jason Cordova style, uh grabbed the reins of like the character when it was their scene and like pushed the game in pushed the game in a way that convinced us we were like oh we're on to something here yeah like yeah. Th- there's drama that can be mm-hmm. there is drama in in drama these rules to be had yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, there have been so many. I can't, I can't even name all the people who have helped us um, over yeah, the years. Play test. That's a lot. For I, that although I do have to say, I do have to say just one more before we, for name dropping, sure. I do have to give a shout out to uh, old man Logan, our very uh-huh. own Bob Everson, yes. uh, who was the stand in or fill in player for yes. Hydro Hackers and Turning Point so all the time. many times. Yes. So many times. And and was really, uh, he's well, he's a delight to play with and a fantastic play tester. Um, yes. And definitely, you know, when, asked, when someone asked you to fill in for something like Turning Point, um, that can sometimes be a, a, a bigger ask than um, something a little bit lighter. Um, so definitely he filled in for us one time and... Uh, we all, we you got some big feels. We got some big feels at the table. Um, yes, big that feels was uh, Origins. Yeah. That was Origins, that was I remember. That was a good game. That was a good game. Anyway, um, I think the, the, the thing that we're, the point that we're, we're coming to here is that, um, the type of game or the type of 
house rule even maybe that you are playtesting may be very complicated um, and have a lot of moving parts or maybe, you know, very light. And the way that you approach playtesting is going to vary dramatically based on, you know, if you can separate those bits out and you want to test them separately or if you can't or if it makes sense to. If your game is complicated, if your game is complex, not complicated. If your game yeah, is complex and has complex and has a lot of subsystems, yes. starting focused and then uh, gradually expanding your, you know, gradually expanding what you test will allow you to really work each subsystem and then later test them as a whole and look at the interactions between subsystems and all of that. If your game is lighter and you can't actually isolate a piece with and have it still make sense, then going somewhere in the middle, which is like, you know, very much a controlled play test uh, and just doing that a couple times till you, you know, kind of shake out the game. And we did definitely shake out the game. There were little things that we changed in turning in point. Turning or, point. Yeah. They there was weren't actually- major. But there was a lot of little tiny iterations. And exactly. that, that's everything from, you know, addressing how we used language for the two binary options to um, validating. How, we, how you yeah, put a part of yourself into the character. Into, to make sure people are invested. Yep. Um, how we um, addressed voting to make sure that it was all, you know, kosher and nobody was oh, on the spot. The scene and structure at the beginning and at the yes. end, those yep. were not parts of the original, the original game. Thing. And so yeah. all, of, all of those things came out of playtesting, multiple iterations of the playtest. And then we finally just it like started just running the game. Like we became comfortable enough that we were like, the game is fine. The game it's, runs great. Yeah. Yeah. It runs great. Yeah. I mean, there is one other kind of playtest um, that you might do kind of no matter how complex your game is or not. Um, and that's what we sort of did with the Ditch Lilies, although that is not a very complex game, um, which is getting an initial playtest to the table um, of something that is sort of natural, maybe somewhere mid, mid, mid spectrum or a little bit leaning towards natural, just to test the concept and the reception to the concept and see if people are interested in playing the kind of game that you're sort of throwing out there. That's the, that's sort of the throwing the paint at the wall and seeing what sticks session. And like, you could totally do that early on too, even if your game is complex, just to see if like, are people interested in this? Should I keep investing time? Yeah. And really what we wanted to know was, could we pull off the feel of the game that we thought we could? the ditch lilies. Yeah. Yeah. Did we think that that was, so it's another place to have a good uh, sidebar. Sure. When you are playtesting, it is really good as the designer to have playtesting objectives. Things that you want to see or questions that you want to ask so that the play test can help address them. With the Ditch Lilies, in the beginning, because that game is still in early development, it's been paused, but when we were working on it, it was in early development, we were less concerned that all the dice mechanics and everything worked correctly. There was going to be time later to fix those things. Yes. What we what we did in the early playtest session was we threw together a usable set of rules that weren't too in-depth or too complicated without a lot of detail. But what we really wanted to see was 
our goal for the Ditch Lily game was always to be a story about uh, helping people using queer love and rock and roll. Yes. And we needed to see if that came through yeah. in playing the game. And we had this like canned, um, this canned session about get out the vote, like getting out, you know, get, signing up people to vote, like young people to vote and how the towns, you know, the crabby townspeople you know, crusty like, towns people don't want to don't want it music. to happen. We don't right. need all oh, these eighteen year olds voting. It's rock the vote. That's rock what it was because it was nineties, right? Yes. So they were, you know, clamping down on rock the vote, that kind yeah. of thing. So anyway, when we played it, the thing that we were looking for, I didn't really care if any of the dice worked or not. Yeah. We would just address and fix things and take notes during the session. Yeah. But at the end, we asked everybody, like, did this feel like a 90s TV show. Yes. Did this, this feel like what we were, <laughs> you know, setting out to do? Yeah. And there was a resounding yes for that. Like people yeah. really liked it. They liked the queer themes of it. They liked the um, kind of tongue in cheek, the flirtiness, the tropiness of it being kind of a TV show role playing game kind of yes. thing. Yeah. And that's all we needed from the initial play test. Yeah. We so, just needed to make sure that what we were creating read to the yeah. table, especially people who don't necessarily listen to our podcast and don't know who the Ditch Lilies are. Yeah. Now, as you get like deeper into playtesting, you will come up with more, um, like more narrow questions, like late, late in turning point playtesting. A lot of what I was, the questions I was asking and watching for was the heartstring economy. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's an actual economy like, to that. Yeah. Like how many get picked up? Who yes. gets, who's picking them up first? Are they getting picked up quickly? Like, and we did make tweaks in the middle of development on how we presented heartstrings yeah. to help encourage them getting picked up. Yes. But like I said, our first test, all the way back in Metatopia, our first test was will this game be dramatic? Yeah. Will, right? will, will it be dramatic? Will we care? Yes. About making a decision. Well, and then after we discovered the edge case about not caring about a character, we went and made changes. (laughs) And so then we specifically in the next round of playtesting asked the question, does this mechanic increase care? (laughs) Yes. Does it increase people caring? And we asked people those things. So the reason I bring this up is it's one, it's like late in your playtesting, like late, late in your playtesting, just playing it to see if it's quote fun or if it quote works is fine. Early in your playtesting, it is it is perfectly fine to have very specific questions about very specific things. Like, I need a character to die in this combat. Yeah. Right? So I'm going to do an artificial thing where just on one turn, I'm going to kill, I'm going to reduce character to like zero health or whatever your mechanic is because I need to see the death mechanics in play. Yes. Right? So. You want to ask yourself questions. Don't ask a million questions because, again. You're not going to keep track of them all, yeah. (laughs) You won't keep track of them all, but you want to ask a couple of key questions. And then you want to make sure that you're paying attention to see those get answered. And along the way, you also want to take notes to pick up other observations that may lead to new development or lead to questions you may want to ask in the next playtest session. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. So that's why yeah, I just wanted to. That's the sidebar. That was a good sidebar. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool. 
Are do we, we want to? Yeah. I'm like, do we want to talk briefly about being a, a good play yeah. tester? Let's talk about it here. And then we'll talk about house rules, house rule play testing in a second. Cool. Okay. So if you are asked to be a play tester, what is a good way to be a play tester? Yeah. One of the things that I usually do if I'm actually play testing, firstly, is where I am sort of iffy on notes that I take in games, especially games at a table full of other people who might also be taking notes. When I am play testing for someone, I take, I definitely take notes, right? You will not remember as a play tester two hours later um, what weird thing felt like there was friction or something in that rule that you engaged, right? You're not going to remember that unless you write it down for yourself, some kind of note, right? About what it was so that you can bring it up. Um, so the, the first thing that I would say as a play tester is please, 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 please take notes. Mm. Um, because you may feel or catch things about how playing that thing is working or challenging you, or feels like it's making friction between like being able to move smoothly through the game, whatever it is, right? You may pick up on that stuff in a way that the GM or the designer right now who's running the game isn't necessarily going to notice because, you know, you finish through the rule and you keep going, right? Sure. So notes, 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 notes. That's my first thing. Take notes. So my next, my my first one is... When you are a play tester, I want you to communicate back to the designer with your feelings about the game, not the corrections to their mechanics. Right? That one's really important. Now, yeah. If you are a co-designer of the game, like when sure. Sen- when Senda and I play tested things, it was different. perfectly fine for Senda to come back like, oh, this is what happened and here's how I think we should fix it. Yes. But if you are just being asked to play test somebody's game, like you are sitting down at a table at Metatopia, do not assume to correct anybody's game. What you need to do, the feedback you need to give is how it felt as you played the game. Like you can say something like, I felt like it took a long time for my turn to come around again. Yeah. Instead of, hey, I think what you should do is fix, is scrap your initiative system. Right. Like, right. It's you really don't different. know. You don't like, know what else that's connected to. And or I th- why it was put in there or whatever, right? Like, you don't know those things. So convey what you're feeling about the game, positive or negative. Yeah. I really like the way this dice mechanic um, makes me think about my decisions in the game. Yeah. I really feel like this death mechanic is arbitrary and yeah. like... I'm feeling like I'm flipping a coin for no reason. Yep. So speak your feelings to the designer and give your feedback in that kind of way so that the designer can then kind of match up their mechanics to your feelings so that they can figure out what a good possible solution is. Now, if they invite you. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If they say to you, how would you feel if it had been XYZ instead, right? Or even if they open the door and say, hey, say, what would how would you, you have done that? differently? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's different. Fine. Yeah, that's an invitation. <laughs> now you can engage in yes. theorizing changes, right? Yes, because because telling someone their initiative system is garbage or you don't like it, it might be the thing in the game that they're really like, it might be the linchpin of the game that they really like. Um, and what they don't want is to replace it. 
but they do want to know if it feels slow, right? Because then they can look at like, well, what can I I do to speed this up? Yes. Or, and I'll say this, sometimes people don't like a mechanic, playtesters don't like a mechanic in the game and there's nothing wrong with it. And the designer is not obligated to To take that advice and make a change. Like sometimes... Sometimes somebody just doesn't like the game or a part of the game. And that is an outlier. Yeah. Like you can't do that as a defense to like, I'm not changing anything in my game because everybody's, you know, an outlier. But I can think of in particular, like we had one play tester for Turning Point who clearly Turning Point was not a game for them. Yep. It just wasn't. They just, actually did unearth the edge case yeah. that we had to fix. We had to fix it. And that, and that was great. But, but also like, I just don't think that they, I just don't think we wrote the game for that style of play. Well, and they, they gave us a whole bunch of advice over lunch about yeah. what to do with the game. And in the end, you and I just kind of looked at each other when they weren't around and yeah. were like, we just nah. need to fix it so that we make sure that we've given everybody the best possible chance to invest and engage yes. because the laundry list of things that came out of that playtest session were all based on the root problem that yes. they didn't care about that character at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There was, I, I think there was one time we, we playtest a turning point and the actual feedback, and I don't remember who it was from, the actual feedback was... I don't like that we don't get to pick the choice at the end. Yeah. And it's like, yes. well, that's, that's the whole. Literally the point of the game. <laughs> right. Like, uh, and, and that's, that's fine. Like, you, it is totally okay if you don't like it. Right. Like then that, that is one of those times when it's, it becomes a cool, this game is maybe not for you. Not for you. It's, it's not okay. the one that you want to yeah. play. And that's okay. Like if you want a game where you pick the end point, that is a completely different game than turning point. The entire yeah. purpose of turning point is that the decision is made for you at the end by the by the choices and life experiences that you have along the way. Correct. And that's just that yeah. was the whole point of the, the game. Whole the pre- whole purpose the liter- of writing it. <laughs> Literally, when we sat down to design the game, the whole premise was, of the game was that, that was exactly the important, it. <laughs> important decisions we make in our life are largely steered by other important moments in our life that echo those decisions. And that yes, and you will us. almost always be, you will lean towards whatever happened in your past, that you are creatures of your past. And so not that that's true in every situation in everybody's life, but based on that premise, we built the whole game around it. So like getting feedback from a playtest, you know, session where somebody's like, I don't like that we don't get to pick the ending is like, well, that's a fair, like, first of all, that's a fair feeling, right? Like it's okay. You don't like this, but also it is the literal backbone or core element of this game. So no, we're not going to change that. Well, it's like going into D&D right now and saying, you know, I actually don't like using 20-sided dice. Right. Um, yes. Like, well, <laughs> this is what the game maybe uses, the, right? Maybe this isn't the game for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like dice pools. Okay, well, okay, then this then is not your this game. This isn't the one. <laughs> Have you considered a Cortex fantasy game? That would be perfectly fine. Have you fine considered Shadowrun? <laughs> like- yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, I guess talking about that from feedback, right? Like, all f- welcome all feedback. Don't feel compelled that you have to act on all feedback. Yeah. Like take it into consideration. Are, know where yeah. it's coming from and then understand 
if it is something you want to address or not, I think is actually the, almost the most difficult part of taking playtest feedback is differentiating what are the things that you can and should address from the things that you may not address. So I'm going to give a piece of advice here that comes from my father. It's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever received in my life. I think you already know what I'm going to say. I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> Never do anything when you are too happy, too angry, or too sad, which is entirely three possible emotions you might feel after a play test. Yes. Too happy, too angry, or too, too sad. sad. Yeah. So as a game designer, at the end of a playtest session, just absorb and collect the playtest feedback. Yep. Don't internalize Don't it. Don't react to it. Don't get defensive with anyone who's providing it. Just absorb it and thank everyone for their contributions mm -hmm. then don't do anything go have lunch take a nap sleep next day next week whatever come back to the playtest feedback when you are in a centered emotional state yes. and objectively look at the feedback and you know say okay seems like everybody thinks my awesome initiative system is slow Per, and now I'm going to use a Ted Lasso. Um, sure. A Ted Lasso be, be uh, piece of advice. Moment. Is that? Yeah. Be curious, yeah. not judgmental. Mm -hmm. When you see that everybody, your beloved initiative system and everyone says it's too slow, take a deep breath and say to yourself, I guess I need to look at why this is, why is not going slow? as fast as people think it is. Like as fast as people would like it to be. And then dive in. Like the best thing I can tell you is that playtesting often makes you emotional because you're running a game, right? It's, you're um, running a game and it's a game that you have given time and commitment and energy. It is your baby and you are presenting it to a bunch of people who are kind of judging criticizing it. it. Yeah. Criticizing it. Yes. If you are not, if you are not trained in taking criticism, and I say this not jokingly, but some people in their careers, in their education or whatever, have had to be in places where their material has been critiqued. Writers, artists, scientists, right? I was, my, um, my training in being critiqued came from uh, this lovely thing. If you're in the sciences uh, in like grad school, you will know it as journal club, which is basically science nerd fight club um, where you present a paper and then everybody else in the room just punches holes in it and you're expected <laughs> to defend it. Right. Yeah, so you get yeah. used to being challenged and I don't like this. It doesn't look right. It like that sounds, you know, ridiculous and you have to take it and not internalize it. If yeah. you're a writer, people critique your stuff. An artist, people critique your stuff. You worked in theater, right? There were reviews, right? Like people have opinions. If you are not accustomed to being able to take criticism without it eating you up, it's going to be hard for you to listen to feedback, which is why I'm saying to you, don't engage any of the feedback in the moment. Collect it. Get it on paper. Have people write it down. Tell it to you, whatever. Collect, collect, collect. And then center your emotional state. For the reasons that you just said, you're going to be nervous. It is your baby. It is also a role-playing game, right? So yeah. you are going to have your normal jacked up, 
you know, neurochemistry yes. from running a game. But Higher on top of it, if state, there were yeah. if there were problems in the game, right? Yes. Now you're going to possibly be upset. If it didn't go the way you wanted it to, you could be sad about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Or it went great and you're super happy. And now you just can't hear anything that's negative because you're super happy. Right. Right. Because you're just thrilled to pieces. They went so well. Yes. Yes. So your emotions are all up in this thing. So just collect your info and go get yourself back to an emotional center and then work on it. Yes. We we talk about emotions a lot on the show. I really yeah, actually like it. Like it's, I, we do, but it's we true. Do. Like I, it's really funny because I think we've talked about playtesting before, um, and I think I feel like we've talked about this element before too. But let us know if you want us to dig in more on it yeah. because we are swiftly approaching um, oh, over an hour time. here. <laughs> All right, look, look, really quick. Let me get to the thing about testing house rules. Look, yeah, you're not doing any of the things that we just said above, right? You're testing no right into prod, right? You're just throwing it in your game. Like we said earlier, go back to an earlier part of the show where we talked about if you're going to test in prod, have a backup plan. Yes. Just if it have doesn't, a backup it still plan. Has, it has to pass QA if you're going to test in prod. It just, yeah. it does. <laughs> yeah. Just have a backup plan so that if anything goes wrong while you're testing in it, you have a way to get it out cleanly and resume your game. Yes. Like as long as you Good. set that expectation before you drop it into the game, then you have a way out if it goes wrong. And if it doesn't go wrong, great. You collected more information and it might be good and you're off and running. So the things we're talking about here, like you could do those, right? If you were going to make like a whole new class and you were kind of nervous about putting it into your campaign, you could go play test it with all the things we talked about before. But if you're yeah. like changing the initiative order in your game and you're like, I don't want to really full like yeah. full play test that, like let's just wait till the next combat and see if it works. That's cool. Just have your backup plan. Yeah. I mean, I want to implement, um, say, you know, old D&D that didn't have inspiration. I want to implement some sort of plot point thing for them, yeah. right? Like, okay, cool. Are you going to play test that before you implement it to your home Probably game? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I think it's worth discussing because it's one of the things as a product manager when I do have to release something that has to be tested in prod because we couldn't do a full dev test on it. Um, it's worth having a conversation about the risk level, right? Because sure. the risk level of adding something like a plot point to a system that doesn't have them is moderate, right? Like sure. it's 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 going to be easy to pull out if it doesn't work. It's pretty easy to add it in and, you know, use existing mechanics to like, you know, tweak this is how you functionally use it. Um, changing something like I want to adjust how, um, combat works in general. Um, I want to, something that required somebody to change all the stuff on their character sheet. Yeah. Like now would also be another hard to remove much higher risk factor and it's a lot harder to roll back. So like, that's just also something to take into consideration with, am I playtesting this before I put it in prod or not? Right. right. From my IT days, right? Like my IT days, which are every day. Um, <laughs> you're, from my you're IT all background. Days, yes. Right. Create a snapshot, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> like there you make go. a copy of Have your character backup. sheet before you yeah. fuck with it so you can roll back to yes, your previous yes. character Love sheet. It. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah. Having said that, I think that's probably a decent place to wrap up the show, shall we? Boy, I thought I was like, boy, I wonder if we'll get an hour out of it <laughs> every time. Anyway, we're just going to run, which means that we have to, um, in order to get to the closing, we're going to have to talk about another show on the Misdirected Mark. Senda, tell me about bonus, ex- 
bonus yes, experience. Yes, absolutely. On bonus experience, Monica and her friends explore gameplay and design through the lens of diversity while also sharing some of the dumbest humor that gaming has to offer. They're great. Awesome. Send up. A- where do people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us um, actually, I think, still on Facebook, believe it or not. Um, we can start re-engaging that because the so- social media landscape is blah, question marks, right? Um, you can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. You can uh, drop us a line on TikTok at DNA Phil or at Idella Mithland. And you can find us with those same names on Mastodon at dice.camp. And uh, what else? Where else? You can also drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And once they have found us or remembered some of that information, Phil, what can they do with it? Yeah, you should send us a question, a topic, something you would like to hear us talk about. Let us apply our uh, experience uh, as both um, as both players game masters, game designers, and people who give gaming advice. Let us put all of that experience to work for you. So find a thing that you either don't like to do or wish you could do better or, um, you know, would like to find a way around it or whatever, like send it to us. It can be a situation, a topic, whatever. We will try to tackle it. Uh, we will put all of that knowledge to work for you because we want you to have more fun when you're running your games. Because like I say every week, the more fun you have running games, the more games you're going to run, the more games you're going to run for people, the more different games you're going to run, and you will get all of the benefits for being in this hobby. And that has been great for me. So I hope it will also be great for you. Yes. Agree. Cool. If you like what we do here, um, consider supporting our Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash MMP patrons right away, get access to the Slack room for life. That, um, has a whole bunch of really great people talking about really great things in a whole bunch of different channels from gaming to cooking, uh, to science fiction, to just funny memes. Like it's all in there. Um, you can join us on the, uh, Friday calls where we sit around and chat on Fridays at lunchtime, Eastern. Yeah, it's brunch time for me. It's Eastern lunchtime because I created yes. the meeting. Well. So <laughs> it was centered. It, there's a whole history. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. go into it. Maybe in the lounge, yeah, yeah. I'll go into it. But anyway, um, at different tiers of our um, Patreon, you can get access to the actual play materials from the MM Plays Children of the Shroud, which I am GMing right now. And uh, at the, I think at the $10 tier, you can get access to development stuff. I know Chris is working on his Lamplighter game. Uh, We will actually be dusting off some stuff in the uh, future, near future, nearish future for us to actually start doing some development stuff as well. So that stuff will show up um, in part in there for people to take a look at. I think that covers all the, oh, and you get the, you get the after show from the Mr. Director Mark and the Bamboo Lounge yeah, from the show. Those are also just, you know, happy yeah. fun times. Cool. All right. Um, anyway, if you're a patron of the show, thank you very much for being a patron. If you're unable to be a patron of the show, uh, we still appreciate you. We would ask if there's just a thing that you could do for us. Doesn't cost any money, costs a little bit of your time, helps us immensely. And like we've said for the past couple of weeks, we know some of you are the direct benefits of it. (laughs) 
What well, is that tell a friend. Yeah, just tell a friend. Um, or if you see someone on whatever social media you're hanging out on and they're like, I'm really looking for a game conversation podcast that's system agnostic. Boy, um, we would love it if you throw our name in the ring. We really appreciate that. Um, that's definitely how we get uh, listeners is by people recommending us. You can also leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Uh, that's like recommending us to a stranger. Uh, and it also helps us out and... I love reading the reviews. Um, so if you leave one and I haven't seen it or responded or something, then let me know because I don't, I don't, I don't always just go out and troll for reviews because there's a lot of places they could be. Um, but cool. Thank you so much to everybody who has already recommended us or left us a review or a star rating. We really do appreciate it. Um, and it does help us a little bit with the algorithmic stuff. Um, and thank you to everybody who will. Indeed. Say, Senda, what should we play test next? in the Ditch Lilies design? Oh, that's a good question. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Bloopy. Check, check. Hooray, audio. Yep, looks like I got waveforms. I got waveforms. Okay. Bloop. Okay. Alrighty. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Are those okay. your new glasses? Yeah. Do you like them without the toppers? Because yeah, I just like fine. the shape. They're cute. No, I like the shape. They're good. Yeah. They're cute. Yeah. They're I cute and so. I like the color because, you know, from here they look black, but are they tortoise shell? Yeah, they're brown tortoise shell. Okay. Um, and I love, they actually read super vintage because they're brown tortoise shell. Yeah. And so. I like that shape is very vintagey yeah. and not too severe. Like yeah. it has all the like hint of vintage without being like super cat eye. Yeah. Like I actually think that these are exactly what I was looking for. And mm -hmm. then with the, with the, uh, modability is like a plus. Sure. All right. I'm very pleased. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get started. Let's do it. Okay. Bloop. Bloop. Show me what you got. I started the wrong song. Show me what you got.